So, if you're our guest here this morning, um, you join us. This is week four uh, of a series called Friends and Family. We believe that uh, we were created in God's image, and we were created to have relationship not only with Him, but to have relationship with one another. And look around you. Just do that. Just have a look around. There you go. We were made to have relationship and friendship with each other, and God has called us to be part of a family. And uh, that's what we're doing, and that's why we've gone to great lengths and great efforts, thanks mate, of, um, of doing uh, lots of different things from lots of these different events that you're hearing about, and uh, our life groups, by the way, our life groups are flying this season, absolutely brilliant and fantastic, our particular life group is potentially the best one of all, and uh, you know, we've, like, like Philip Milnes, Philip Mills, right, was, uh, had volunteered this week to do the food. Like, his hand shot up, but lo and behold, it, w- it was Leslie that cooked the food. Uh, but Phil did a great job of bringing it down, and, um, and with my help, served it. So uh, anyway, that was that. But it's not just the food. It's the, it's, it's the crack, the fellowship, the togetherness, the getting to know each other. But as well as that, it's the conversation. Conversations that just happen around a table. And again, from our group in particular, and I know because I'm hearing, because I'm talking to many of you as well, just some of the conversations that are coming up in such a natural and brilliant way, just to land God's spirit, just to be present amongst us and amongst a relationship with each other. It's just fantastic and a real exciting season to be a part of church right now. Uh, This week, I want to talk a little bit about belonging. And what that means. Uh, I've said this before. One of my favorite programs on TV is Long Lost Family. Anyone else watch that? Yeah. Hands up if you don't cry when you watch Long Lost Family. Like, I, I, it, it's one of those awkward moments. You know, you're at home, you're watching it. And then suddenly towards the end when they meet. If you don't know what it is, I'm sorry it's lost on you. I don't have enough time to lost on you. It's... Um, it's, they, they meet, they haven't seen each other 40 years, they embrace, and it's really hard because I'm kind of trying to look away so Chantel doesn't see that tears are actually coming out. And, but it's just an Im- incredible thing. And I think talk to anyone who has had that background, some kind of background where there's been separation, some kind of background uh, where there's been adoption or foster care or, or those things. I know many of you uh, have been a part of that, played a significant role in that. It's something that as a community of people we're championing and going after. Because we believe that God has called us to gather together, to love and serve one another, but to also uh, help and create environments where people can belong. But whenever it comes towards the end of those episodes and you just see the embrace for that person, they've just longed all their life to belong and to be part of something. Um, I, I kind of look through the eyes of my kids who, you know, they go to big school, and many of you, you've experienced that yourself. It's that whole time where children are trying to find their place and where they fit and where they belong as well. For me, moving to Northern Ireland, um, I, I'm totally serious here. You probably think I'm going to lead into a joke, but it, it took me a good year or so to really feel like I, you know, belonged to something. You've got your own mannerisms, your quirkiness. Everyone seemed to know everyone. You know, it didn't matter where you were. It was like, oh, what about you? Oh, I know you. Or, oh, you know such and such. And as an outsider looking in, you, you're feeling like I, I'm on the outside here. I, I don't. And after so many years, you just feel like you're just part of things. 
So it is with the family of God. Why? Because so much of it is actually built in our innate nature to belong, to have relationship with one another. We as a church go real hard at being a place where people feel like they belong. And do you realize and do you know how hard it is for someone to come to church for the first time? I was speaking to uh, a couple last week who came for the first time and and they are Christians. They just came from another church and they were looking in and um, they said, goodness, it was really hard to get here this morning. It's really hard to kind of come in and and, uh, and we do our very best, don't we, to really make people feel specially welcome. And, and that's part and parcel of who we are as, as people. Um, but yet that's such a hard thing it, just to come to begin with. And it takes even longer and more deliberate attempts of mutual connection for someone to really feel like they belong. I've mentioned many times um, over a number of weeks, and especially in the last couple of weeks, how Jesus came... And he broke down so many barriers that the religious folks had built up. And, you know, he addressed and he took everyone where they were at. And uh, somehow, over tradition, over many years, we as the church have created these barriers to prevent people from coming. And yet Jesus did everything to tear down barriers. And we, again, as a church, as a people, really want to break down barriers and things that keep people from actually coming uh, to him. You see, the reality is this, that most people on the street who don't yet know Jesus don't have a problem with God. They don't have a problem with the existence of who he is. And yet, one of the big things that they do have is an issue with the church. Yesterday, only yesterday, I'm with, uh, with someone, uh, as a younger lady from, from Carrickfergus, and we were chatting away, and, um, and she, she began to kind of unpack her kind of church background. And she said, yeah, I went to this kind of church. I was raised, I was brought up. And it was the kind of typical thing of it was just hellfire and brimstone, and I just couldn't wait to get out of that place. And then she says, but you're different. You're, you're I love this word, normal. <laughs> like anyone who knows me knows that's not true, but... Um, <laughs> But you kind of know what they mean, right? She's like, she's like, yeah, but there's something just very different about you. And, uh, and, uh, and she knows Chantelle as well. And she said, yeah, I just like you guys. You, you, you're great. And, and this person as well has been to the Easter egg hunt and has been to other things that our church have done. I was chatting just briefly with Emma as you walked in this morning. I said, oh, how'd you get on Friday night? Emma had brought four of her friends to the wine tasting evening. They were the youngest by far. It was wonderful. <laughs> Poor girls were stuck on a table with Sergi, but that, that's, that was, <laughs> I think Sergi was quite liking it secretly, but no, I'm just joking. That's a joke. Rewind. I didn't say that. Um, and don't tell that to your friends either. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. Stick to the notes. Stick to the notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I was like, how'd it go? How'd the girls find it? They loved it. Oh, they just loved it. It was just brilliant. And their remarks to me afterwards was, can't believe that your church would do that. They, they, everyone just seemed normal. Again, it's that phrase. Of, but you know what they mean. Because there's these preconceived ideas of what it's going to be like and what we're going to be like. And as much as possible, as a church, we need to work super hard 
at just creating environments and spaces and places where people can feel like they can come and just belong. You may well have heard this before somewhere. Um, there's a phrase of where in the past, and uh, churches have kind of portrayed this image uh, to other people that you can come to our church if, um, if you behave yourself. You can come to our church as long as you behave, you play by our rules, and you believe. And maybe after some time, maybe after doing the 12-week beginner's course, and maybe, you know, you've signed here, you've jumped through hoops there, and you've done this, that, the other, then maybe you can belong, and you can become a member. And we just want to kind of flip that, and forgive me, I hope that doesn't come across damning. It probably slightly does, but I don't want it to is we do want to flip it and say, do you know, we want to create space and environment where people feel like they belong. And do you know what? Regardless of where a person's at, as they journey life and they feel a sense of community, then perhaps someday they may choose to believe. And maybe someday as they begin to believe and encounter Jesus, then maybe the way they live their life may begin to change as well. So that's really what I want to spend the rest of our time doing, and I need to hurry up. We as a church want to help people by creating lots of encounters, environments where people can feel like they can come and they can belong. We want to be a place of hope where people can come as they are. And we see this reflected, um, this sense of need throughout the whole of the Old Testament. Through the family of God, where, Jesus, where, where, where God was creating a, a people for himself, Israel. That they would have relationship with him, but they would have relationship with one another. Jesus models this sense of community, this sense of belonging. He calls the ragamuffin disciples to be with him, but also to be with one another, that there would be that sense of belonging. We looked at Matthew last week, the story of Matthew, who was a tax collector. They accept, Jesus accepted him where he was at, and he invites him into relationship with him, and he invites himself into relationship with fishermen, and a zealot, and a thief, and whoever else was present, or whatever else the others did, into this community. Jesus allowed these people to join him and join the group and belong. Our church needs to be a place where we welcome the last, the least, the lost. Those who are searching, those who are far from him, regardless of background, regardless of skin color, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of this, that, the other, all the differences that makes us, that this would be a place of hope where people can come, where people feel like they belong, and that they will be accepted, that they, we will not be judgmental, and we would just bring them and love them. Now, slight word of caution. That's not to say that anything goes. Uh, I had a I remember there's a lady here, uh, she might smile, I better not look in her direction. But uh, this lady, when she began kind of her journey with us as a church community, I remember probably the first time I met her was with another lady that was part of our church outside Venue 29 down in Carrickfergus. And I just happened to be walking towards there and the two of them had walked out. I can't even remember what it was, it was something during the day. And this lady who's here uh, sparked up a fag and uh, lit a cigarette, and, uh, and her and this other lady were slightly sort of embarrassed. It's like, <gasps> it's the pastor. And like, it didn't bother me in the slightest. 
didn't, couldn't care two hoots. And this other lady turned to the lady who's present uh, this morning and said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. It's only poor anything goes at Vineyard. And I was like, alarm bell, awkward. That's not true. That's not true. And the scriptures are really clear, actually, on what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. I'm not talking specifically about smoking, by the way, here on this issue. But not everything does go. But what does go is that we accept, as Jesus does, regardless of where a person is at. And when we put these barriers up and we expect people to come through the door, good living, like their lives are sorted and everything's hunky-dory, it doesn't give permission for people to be themselves and to be honest. And that, again, you've been part of us for any length of time, you'll know that that's a, a, a big deal. Our job and our biggest job in belong, behave, belong, believe, behave is to work really hard on the belonging. We can't get people to believe. And that's not our job. Yes, we can run the Alpha course. Yes, we can have places of encounter where God is present in the room. Yes, we can love people. We can give them a Christmas hamper. We can run Friday church. We can do this. We can do that. And we can show the love of Jesus to someone. <clears throat> but we cannot get a person to believe because that's his job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And that's in partnership with the Holy Spirit and the person. Because it's the person's responsibility to respond to the love of Jesus for themselves. And if we look at the scriptures, it's really clear. The teachers of the law were people that did not encounter the love of Jesus. In fact, they did everything against him. We find other people like the rich young ruler who uh, it was too much to follow Jesus and chose not to. So our role in itself is not to get people to believe. That is God's role. And we must be cautious, actually, in our relationships with people that we don't see them as gospel fodder or a project in any way, shape, or form. Yes, for those of us who've encountered God for ourselves, we want people to enter into that. But that's their responsibility or their response, and it's God's job. How did it work with the disciples? Just want to look very briefly at this piece of scripture from Luke 9, 18 to 20. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one, uh, one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. And Jesus asked his disciples, what about you? Who do you say I am? And it's in this moment that Peter answers, God's Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are who you say you are. And this, as estimated, took place two and a half years into the three-year ministry of Jesus. Two and a half years into Jesus and Peter being friends. That it's at this point that Peter declares who Jesus really is. Now, I'm not saying that this was his declaration of faith. Point of conversion. He didn't pray the sinner's prayer. I'm using all those three things because don't we use some ridiculous spiritual jargon, the church? None of that's clearly actually from the scriptures there. But nonetheless, it's at this point when Peter himself comes to a realization, this comes to this belief, 
Jesus, you've done some incredible stuff. You've spoken some amazing things. But you are who you say you are. If we look at Judas, first-hand experiences with Jesus all that time. And at the end, he decides to do his own thing. It is not our job to help, to get someone to believe. Yes, we can, we can do the things that I've already said. And then lastly, behave. Yes, we can certainly teach the truth of the scriptures of what is God's way and what's man's way. And it's, it is our role, it is our responsibility to do that. But again, people are people and we all make our own decisions. We all make our own choices. And sadly, part of our job description as leaders, and it's not the nicest bit of it, is sometimes to have awkward conversations with you and have awkward conversations with other people and to actually challenge when there's kind of stuff going on that we're thinking, do you know what, that's probably not great that you're doing that right now. Let me tell you, that is really horrible for me, for us. That is, a, that is not nice. But it is right that we do that. Why? Because we love you and because we want the best for you and we think that sometimes that what maybe you're doing isn't great for you or your relationships. Now, that's not to say that we don't get it right all the time, because we don't. Sometimes we get it wrong as well. Um, but that's just part and parcel of it. But ultimately, behavioral change comes through encountering God's love. Again, look at, the, look at Peter. He is who he is. He's impetuous. He jumps in. He's impatient. He says he'll do this and does something else. He cuts the ear off the soldier in the Garden of Gethsemane. He denies Jesus. But with time, he leads the church. And he writes letters. And he, and he becomes the very person that Jesus spoke those words over his life. And eventually, with time, he became the person he was meant to be. Look very briefly. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 18. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit gives freedom. We're transformed into his image increasingly. We spent weeks teaching on becoming becoming more like Jesus as we continue to practice various spiritual practices we become more like him as he begins to change us from the inside out uh, I've said this before I remember when I became a Christian 16 17 18 there's a major major behavioral change but I'm so glad I'm so grateful actually that no one pointed the finger at me and said Paul stop doing that you shouldn't do that or you can't come to this or you can't do that or whatever because do you realize what you're doing and I realized what I was doing and it was with time his kindness leads us to repentance it was the presence of the Holy Spirit as I encountered him for myself he began to change me and those things which once seemed so attractive no longer had the same level of attraction because I knew that they were just traps. I knew that they would give me some sense of enjoyment and satisfaction or whatever in the short term, but in the long term, I'd become a slave to it, and it would begin to control me. And it was through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, as I encountered him, things began to change, and my behavior came to change. 
And that's how it works. Goodness, we all can testify to that, can't we? When we walk closely with Jesus, we do the things that Jesus does. We speak, we think like him. But when we begin to walk at a distance, we begin to do our own thing. And everything goes a little bit peak-tong. It's this kindness that leads us to repentance. Belong, believe, behave. Throughout this period, throughout this series, we really want to be just the people that say, calm as you are and feel like you belong. There will be some of us here this morning, you're not long to the church, but you feel like God's called you to be part of the family. You're so welcome. You're so, so welcome. You're part of things. It will take time to get that real kind of sense of feeling and of belonging, but please, you're, you're part of things. There's many people in our lives right now that, you know, they, they, they just need to connect. They want to connect. And maybe, just maybe, that we're part of the answer to their prayers, that they would come and that they would belong also. I have 12 minutes. I have three brief things I wanted to say. This is a little bit like a dessert or an encore. Not that you're all going, whoa. But, but I, I kind of thought in this series, I, I wanted just to address a couple of things. Belonging comes from a place of safety and acceptance. And it's important, that, you know, we convey these messages. This is a safe place. When we come, not just on Sundays, but in our groups as well, they're safe environments where you can, we, we want to give people space to be honest and open and vulnerable. I think we, uh, ch- families that I, families, family families that I see working really well are usually families where you're not afraid to be yourself, where you can come home having screwed up and done something really daft and say, I did this and made a real wreck of it. And together as a family, you kind of sort it out. I love those kind of families, and I know many of our families are like that. You see, the families where, oh, you don't tell your mum and dad you did that, is, is where you know you're going to get punished or you're going to get this, that, the other. We need to create places where it's okay not to be okay. Where we see your pain, where we see that the struggle is real because life is messy and our lives are messy and we're okay with mess. Church fulfills lots of functions. One of them is we're a hospital. (coughs) And in a hospital... We, need, we have people who bleed, and bleeding is messy, but it's okay. Secondly, I want to just say this, that uh, your leaders are not immune to this. It's, you know, it's, uh, I think there's sometimes this perception in some places that the leaders have to have it together and be on like a holy hotline with God the whole time. And, uh, you know, you know, because we lead by example that, you know, we struggle and we find life difficult and we're challenged and sometimes it's really difficult and what have you. And, and I just want to say that that's okay. And we thank you that you don't put that on us. And 
we thank you also for some of you who, who give us that space uh, to be ourselves and support us in that way. And then lastly is it's okay to, if you ever sense like God's calling you to not belong to this church family, that's okay. And with, our, with you know, God's permission and our blessing, we, we, there, have people, there have been lots of people that have come and have gone. And some, of, some people who have gone have you know, come and they've explained and they've said their farewells and, and we're like, oh, that's great, we understand and bless you as you go to whichever family God is placing you in next. But there are others as well that have left and they, they haven't necessarily gone to belong elsewhere. And all I would say there is simply this, is, is consider the effect not just on yourself in terms of removing yourself from a church community and how that's going to affect you personally, but also consider the effect it's going to have on others around you. Consider the effect that relationships that you've built and entrusted yourself as part of the family and how that's going to feel for people uh, when you depart. And also consider the effect that that's going to have if you have children that it's going to affect them as well as you choose to, to leave maybe in that way. And uh, I, I wanted to address that in a really clear and, and, uh, and that's in a non-gripey way without feelings of, Ugh. it's just it's just being real, it's just being honest and it's just being like, guys, let's, let's be really genuine and, and uh, honoring in our relationships.